Hi, I'm Amanda. And I'm Kim. And this is The Department, a podcast about trends and how they define the world around us. Welcome back to the department. This is episode 67. Um, and today we're going to be talking about Pinterest trend forecasts for 2023. Every year, Pinterest scours through data and keyword trends to pinpoint some emerging trends in their own user data, and they create predictions for the upcoming year. And I think this is really fascinating. I was telling Kim before we started recording, what I love about this is a lot of the trend forecasting that we tend to be exposed to on the consumer side of it uh, comes from above, right? It's like yeah, exactly. industries, companies, magazines mm-hmm. telling us what we ought to be into. But these Pinterest trends actually come from the people and what they're searching. Uh, so here is what Pinterest says, quote, people use Pinterest to plan for the future. That means we know what's next. In fact, for the last three years, 80%. Wow. I know. Wow. 80% of our report predictions came true. This isn't another year-end trend report. This is a not-yet-trending report, a window into the future from the place where people go to plan it. Let's look forward to 2023. This is Pinterest Predicts. You know, and they've been doing this for a few years, and I love it. I use it I, I always used it constantly for, you know, my my work, my job, mm-hmm. just to kind of as just like one of the other trend tools that I would use. And I would be really leisurely mm-hmm. about going through it because as Amanda's about to say, they showcased 27 trends this year. Whew. It's a lot. Yeah. It's a lot to digest, which is why we thought it would be really great to talk about each one here now. So you don't have to just sit there and digest it and read it and go through it. We, you know, we can just talk through it. Yeah. And like just our thoughts on it. There was nothing on there that I was like, this seems ridiculous. Like they, I was like, yeah, yeah, I get yeah. it for all of these. And I'm really, I'm really excited to talk about them. But of course, before we can jump into all of that, Kim has her weekly spiel for you. Yes, this is just a weekly reminder to tell your friends and family who might be looking for like a new podcast to listen to, and then also to make sure to follow us on your preferred streaming service. Third, and very importantly, give us a star rating on Apple Podcasts. They're the ones that really aggregate the star ratings. And if you want to take it a step further, please make sure to leave us a kind, loving (laughs) five-star review. If you have have anything, you know, um, unkind to say, maybe just, you know, don't say it at all. <laughs> you know, <it's, laughs> I still am terrified to look to look at that stuff. So yeah, um, and then <laughs> last, make sure to follow us on Instagram at underscore the underscore department. And if you're looking for some of our show notes or image references or links or whatever it is, you can find it on our website, thedepartment.world. Yes. You know, and before hey. we jump in today, I was telling Kim there was something I just wanted to talk about for a couple of minutes that is definitely a trend that you may be aware of if you have ever used social media, uh, listened to a podcast, gone on the internet, gone into a grocery store, gone to Target into the food mm. section at this point. And that is this phenomenon of 
roughly $10 cereal that is, and I'm going to say this in quotes, a healthier version of nostalgic cereals from our youth. It's an adult cereal. Adult cereal. I mean, because mm-hmm. like no one's buying their kids $10 cereal. Well, have you been to a grocery store recently? This is fair. This is cereal true. is so expensive. Oh my goodness. Regular cereal. It's, true. it's literally just sugar and like carbs. Right. So you may as well get the fancy cereal. I mean, when I was yeah. a kid, like we wanted, I mean, like to me, the ultimate cereal was like Lucky Charms, right? Devoid yes. of nutritional value, but yes. full chock full of novelty and my mom would always be like no you can't have it because it's sugary and also it's expensive and so every once in a while we could get the malto meal version which Mm. is the kind that came in a bag a plastic the plastic bag and it'd be on the bottom shelf and i have no idea if it was the same or not but on the far other end of the spectrum from malto meal are these brands like magic spoon crispy fantasy off limits and these are premium less sugary, often high protein adult versions of nostalgic cereals. And I mean, I'm going to be really honest. About two months ago, I fell for Magic Spoon hard and I bought five boxes from them. Uh, Greatest decision I've ever made. How much are they a box? Well, it's one of those things like I originally bought a box at Target of the um, like Fruit Loops, their version of the Fruit Mm -hmm. Loops. And I was skeptical. I was like, how could these be good? And what what I liked about them is they're very low carb um, and like no sugar, right? So yeah, uh, exactly. I have to eat a very low carb diet basically for the rest of my life because of digestive issues I have. And that means m- almost anything that is remotely fun is off the table. Like every once in a while I'll get to have something fun and I'll just like bear the repercussions of it for the next few days. But a cereal is one of those things that I had been really having a longing for and I thought like this would – I could just have a little cup of cereal, I would probably feel less like I was missing out on things. So we bought the Magic Spoon in the Fruit Loops version, and I had very low expectations, even though I had just paid for sure like $9.99 for it. Mm-hmm. I was like, it's probably going to be disappointing, but at least I tried it and then I can move on. And I actually really liked it, and so did Dustin, and we bought another box. And then I thought, <laughs> there's got to be a weather- better way than spending $10 for a box of cereal. So I went on their website, and if you buy direct from them, you, uh-huh. you get volume discounts. Like the more boxes you buy, the less expensive it is. So I went for it and I bought five boxes of cereal. Jeez. <laughs> um, and it, it, it was like Christmas when they arrived. We were so excited. Wow. Um, I bought two of the fruit and I tried some other flavors as well. And I have to say, like, I really liked them all. Ooh, sugar cookie? That sounds great. Actually, peanut butter sounds good. We, By the way, we this is not an advertisement. No, no. <laughs> this is... This is just us talking about cereal. Yeah, no. After I... Sorry, my Siri thinks that we're... Stop, shut up, Siri. Okay. Is she is she trying to, to order you some more Probably. Magic Spoon? So, <laughs> you know, this is not an ad for Magic Cereal in any way. I will tell you so far, Fruity is my number one. The peanut butter is really good. I haven't had the cocoa. I literally just had a cup of cinnamon roll before we started. Loved it. Uh, it tasted like a cinnamon. Do, do you have peanut butter? The peanut butter is good. Yes. I love a peanut butter cereal. So that would be up my up my alley. I have a box of blueberry muffin, which I haven't opened yet, that is Ooh. in our RV and I'm going to eat probably tomorrow um, when we're camping. So because it's also great for camping, which is, I think, how I talked myself into buying a box the first time. Um, hmm. And so this may be like really suddenly aware of this phenomenon. And I think part of it is like, you know, of course it's all about like 
the internet's got my number now, right? And so mm-hmm. I'm being served these ads. But even like a couple weeks ago, my I'm working on a rebrand at my job and we actually like have an outside company we hired for it. And they put together a deck of like possible brand inspiration just to kind of get our feedback. And there was another one of these brands in there which was called Off Limits. And this is not sugar-free, but this is another, like, it's supposed to be, like, a healthier version. It's, like, you know, vegan. I believe it's high protein. Um, They have a cereal glitter that you can also buy that you sprinkle on. It makes your food glittery and turns the milk blue. Um, And they have some other flavors, including coffee. That's that's aesthetic. Yeah. I mean, I would try this. Like, if someone sent Mm -hmm. this to me, I would absolutely eat it. It's gluten-free, which is great. I mean, like, I could probably have a little bit of it in moderation, and it has incredible branding. That's the thing about all of these cereals. Yes. Incredible I'm I'm a glutton for branding. I know. I know. And this isn't the only one. So last weekend, Dustin and I went to Sprouts, which I haven't gone to a Sprouts in a really long time, but there's been this shortage of non-dairy coffee creamer like <laughs> here in Austin. Oh, like wow. okay. I, it has resulted in me buying weird flavored creamers that are disgusting and ruin coffee <sighs> for me. So we were like, oh, well, let's go into this Sprouts and I'll get something there. And they had, I was like, oh my God, Dustin, look at this. It's like a whole wall of all these other brands of cereal that are taking this as, like retro, nostalgic, aesthetic direction and are selling these, like, cereals that would be sugary but aren't for adults at that price point, at that, like, Mm -hmm. around $10 price. And I really thought, like, okay, there's got to be someone out there who's been writing think pieces about this because it seems like it's really blowing up. Couldn't find anything. And the only thing I could find, and this is, like, a very not even that much, uh, I was reading a list of what Whole Foods predicts to be the biggest food trends for 2023, and nostalgia is, like, a big part of it. And so, like, companies continuing to innovate into, like, Mm -hmm. quote-unquote healthier versions of nostalgic foods. And we're seeing that also with, like, your classic boxed macaroni and cheese. There's so many versions of that now, too. That's true. Um, And, of course, I'm forced to try all of these things (laughs) because if they have good packaging (laughs) – Clearly, clearly a bigger trend where it's just excellent packaging yeah. of product that's been, you know, they've been able to formulate a healthier version of something that was originally kind of, you know, you know, empty calories. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's all food science still, right? These are like highly processed foods. Um, there's a healthier and once again in quotes version of box macaroni and cheese called Goodles. Yes, I've seen um, I actually have to say, like, I really like those. I also have to eat them in moderation because they're still a little too carby for my digestive mm. system. Um, and it's really hard not to eat a whole box. So I'm kind of like, that maybe can't be in my life. But I will say, like, these fancy ass cereals, a little cup of cereal, like I'm talking like a coffee mug of cereal hits a spot. Like you're like, I don't mm. need more. You know, whereas I remember being a teenager and I would be like, I'm going to eat this whole box of free pebbles (laughs) like right now. Right. Or the cereal that for a long time I would trick myself into believing was healthy, but I knew wasn't honey bunches of oats. That's one where you're like, did I just eat a whole box of cereal? Like, wait, what just happened? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. I've been there. I've been there. I, I don't really eat a lot of cereal these days, but I would definitely eat those. Yeah. If you have thoughts on that, we'd love to hear from you. If you've tried some other brands, you think this is all nonsense. like. 
please reach out to us. I mean, we can talk about this more. I was telling Kim I didn't feel like it was a whole episode per se, but maybe upgrades or updates to Nostalgic Foods is. It's really mm-hmm. interesting, and I think we're going to see a lot more of it this year. More nutritional ones. Yes, yes. And I'm going to be keeping my yeah. eye out for it for sure because now now I can't stop thinking about it. You know, And I'm sure for all of you listening, <laughs> it'll be the same thing. You'll be like, I have noticed $10 cereal. What's going on? So maybe you'll have another, who knows, maybe the next update is going to be like pudding pops or something. I have no idea. But that's a smart idea and someone should do that. <laughs> Absolutely. Je- Jello cups, yeah, pudding yeah, pops. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Swiss Miss. Like bone, bone broth. Oh, God. bone broth popsicles? Mm-hmm. Okay, I might eat that actually. Uh, you would if it was flavored. <laughs> Flavor properly. Yeah, you totally. <laughs> it's like now I want to go to like Whole Foods or Sprouts or something and just walk around and spot all of these. Like, I mean, it's a gimmick for sure, but I think our need for nostalgia is over at all in all aspects of our lives because I think people are feeling, you know, as we've talked about, a little depressed right now, stressed out. It's like the pandemic never ends, right? It's the gift that keeps giving. And nostalgia gives us comfort. And so mm-hmm. I could see this this nostalgia madness, if you will, uh, infiltrating every aspect of consumer products, you know? Agreed. Maybe we'll, maybe we'll all be getting rainbow sh- bright comforters soon or something. But like, you know, high thread count because it'll be like the makeover, right? right? right. <laughs> anyway, that is not what we're here to talk about today. Today, we're going to talk about Pinterest picks trends. Mm-hmm. So why don't you guys go in, Kim? Yeah. So, um, you know, they, they share their methodology on how they um, kind of analyze the data. And they, they say that the trends come from global Pinterest search data. And they compare the analysis period of like around September 2020 to September 2022. You know, so they can have comp, comp data to be able to see where there's different um, changes. Um, so what they're looking for is obviously they're looking for um, high increases and trends within those increases to create these like broader trends. Mm-hmm. Um, and they say that picking trends is equal parts art and science. Uh, and if you want to learn more, a little bit more about their process, you can find it on their website. We will have a link um, in our show notes as well. It's um, it's their Pinterest per- predicts for 2023. So um, that's, you know, that's kind of like the methodology part. Um, but as we get into it, you know, don't forget that 80% of their report predictions do come true. So it does mean 20%, you know, might not make it, but it does sound like all of these have um, some capacity to trend. So what we were thinking about doing is just kind of going through each one and just talking about it lightly and um, giving you guys the facts and figures and details um, just so you can, we can all consume it together. So I guess I will start with the the first trend that they have reported on, which is called Aries Styles. I love um, it. <laughs> as opposed to Harry Styles. Rude. Uh, <laughs> they do have a lot of puns, um, which I appreciate. I love a pun. Um, they say that in 2023, fashion will be filled with lace, tulle, ruffles, and shimmer for everyone based on rising searches from Gen Z and millennials. The ruffle shirt for men and sheer pants outfit are just two examples of this tooly trend. Time to trade in that moto jacket and your combat boots for ethereal details, no matter how you identify. This year will be femme for all. And so then they do give um, some of the stats that they have been referencing, and I'm sure that they have a lot more reference points as well. Um, but they talk about shimmery dresses, lace top long sleeves, tool sleeves, 
ruffle shirt for men, as we mentioned, Mm -hmm. uh, which, you know, I have been seeing on, you know, different celebrities and sheer pants outfits. And so those are all um, trending in a positive of double to triple digit um, increases in percentages of searches from 2020 to 2022, um, showing um, a a clear demand from the consumer. And obviously they they do look at the demographics. So that's why they say Gen Z and millennials, because they know what your demographic is. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they also give a little bit of um, backstory behind the trend. They say, after two years of sweatpants and loungewear, the focus is now on body-bearing silhouettes, a fashion-forward moment of empowerment in turbulent time, combined ethereal sensuality with the, the dreamlike quality of ballet. This trend is gender agnostic, expression of femininity and strength. Um, I think this is a hard trend, personally. It's a hard trend to wear. Uh, it makes sense to me, though, mm-hmm. because this is this is what Selkie is, right? And mm-hmm. Selkie is probably, like, my favorite brand of clothing, um, and I'm constantly buying it secondhand. I mean, not constantly because this stuff is expensive, but, you know, it's, like, something that really interests me, and, like, I belong to Facebook groups for it, and I'm always keeping my eye out on all the secondhand platforms for Selkie. And... Um, that business, I think, I mean, obviously, I have no idea what's going on behind the scenes financially, but it seems like they are picking up a lot of momentum as a brand. And that's shimmery dresses, tool, sheerness, ruffles. I would love to see them extend into a more gender neutral space. Yes, that would space. be really fascinating. Yeah. So if they want to hire me to help them with that, <laughs> I will. Um, you know, actually, can I tell you something? Huh. Um A couple of weeks ago, uh, the founder of Selkie, her name is Kimberly Gordon, uh, her Instagram account is called like We Dream of Ice Cream or something like that. She started following Clothes Horse and reposted a bunch of my stuff. Oh, I was wow. like, oh, I just found this account. This person is really smart. They have a lot of cool stuff to talk about. And then I messaged her from my personal account where I followed her and said, oh my God, I'm Clothes Horse. Like, I'm so honored that you followed me because, um, like, this is my favorite brand of clothing. I'm like such a sulky person and blah, blah, blah. She never wrote back. Mm. But, mm. uh, it still felt like a big deal to me. <laughs> That's great. That's good. Yeah. That's a win. That's a win. That's a win. It's, it was like a 50% win. But anyway, I, I see this so much. I mean, ballet core is like picking up momentum mm-hmm. everywhere right now. I have been starting to see more Tool. I personally, very excited because the last time Tool was super trendy, I was that person who wore like a t-shirt and a Tool skirt every day. They've been hanging yes. in my closet waiting. Yes. And now it's time. Yes, that that's all about the the diving through your closets and finding um, yeah. finding some some key pieces that you maybe wore in like, you know, 2014. Um, yeah, I remember, exactly. I remember when we worked at Nasty Gal, the tool skirt, the ballet skirt was really big. Oh, we couldn't order enough of yeah. them. Yeah. Yeah. Same thing actually at Mod Cloth. It was like interesting. We had a best selling one at Mod Cloth, and when I began working at Nasty Gal, I was like, we should just try this. And it sold out instantly there as well. Um, totally from the same vendor and everything. Yes. Um, you know, downtown vendor. And uh, I think that there is something timeless about this ballerina style. It always comes back. Mm-hmm. Um, so take good care of your tool. It it just feels it feels just uncomfortable to me because I just like hang out in sweatpants a lot. You're not this person. I know. No, I'm not, no. but I I'm know. the person who's like, oh, I'm you know I work from home most days, but I'm practically wearing a gown to do it. Yes. You know? So for me, it's like, yeah, of course, you know, when it gets a little bit warmer, I'm going to be wearing a tool skirt every day. <laughs> there you go. There you go. There you this, go. this just yeah. in. All right. Do you yeah. want, do you want to take the the next one? Sure. So the next one. Um, 
I actually am pretty excited about. Me too. This is a color that I love. Not really specifically for me, I'm going to say to wear on my body, but from an interior perspective. Mm-hmm. And this trend is called Rust Married, uh, which I think they could have done a better job with the copy here. Anyway, this is all about hues of terracotta, copper, and burnt sienna at weddings this year. Mm. And this is based on rising searches from millennials and Gen X. Um, So basically Pinterest is saying we're going to see these orangey colors everywhere in 2023 from floral arrangements to bridesmaid dresses. Um, You know, and I could see this trickling down into other like formal wear as well. Mm -hmm. But apparently there was a... This is shocking to Mm -hmm. me. People get granular on Pinterest. I love this. (laughs) There was a 695% increase in people searching the phrase burnt orange wedding theme. That's so specific. I know. I know. That is so Uh, specific. You know, a huge increase in people looking for terracotta wedding bridesmaids dresses, which I like. Love that. Orange wedding centerpieces orange dress outfit for wedding it feels maximal it does it does i think there's something so rich and luxurious about this um and i i see it probably being most relevant for fall weddings but it could be year-round depending on the shade like if it's like you're having one of those like classic desert weddings uh which i think has become you know a go-to for a lot of people um i think the more terracotta family is incredible for that Um, I just love that people are stepping outside what has like, I don't know, always been a lot of rules about what colors are acceptable for weddings. And they're saying, guess what? We're going orange. Mm -hmm. Because I had to, a few years ago, go to a David's bridal with with my family. Uh, My parents were renewing their vows and we went to David's bridal and the color for their wedding was purple. Um, and I think a big part of that is that, like, most of the bridal companies offer you, like, six colors. That's it. Yeah. So if you want all your exactly. bridesmaids to match, that you're picking from those. And it was, like, pastels, right? Of course. Burgundy, purple, maybe, maybe, like, a dark blue. And it's nice to see this is so new, you know? It is. And- it feels modern, but also nostalgic. Yeah, I love this. I'm excited for this. Um, I don't really go to weddings or uh, even get invited to them, but I hope you all have some really great orange weddings. Yeah. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) All right. Well, I'll jump into the next one, which is called Gemini Hair. Um, And they basically are talking about two-toned tresses uh, that will take off more than ever with Gen Z and millennials being behind this rising trend um, with hair color that mixes natural hues with bright blues, purples, and pinks, blue and black braids, lavender and blonde hair, all of those things. So multicolored hair um, will be trending, which is very maximal, um, but also kind of speaks to a bit of a nostalgic um, 80s and 90s vibe. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And yeah, it does look like... um, you know, a lot of people are doing pink and lavender hair, lavender and blonde hair, blue and black braids, multi-tone hair color. Those are all um, those are all starting to see some sort of tra- traction in people likely looking for either images to bring to their hairdresser or having a DIY salon like you oh my talked God. about, Amanda. <laughs> Seriously, Kim, as soon as I saw this, I was like, this is exactly what you're going to do with your friends. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And what is great about this is it's it's forgiving, mm-hmm. right? It is. So if if you mess it up, it's okay. If your friend messes it up, 
at your DIY hair party. That's okay too. And to me, this this really took me back to the, I don't know, like lack of seriousness that my mm-hmm. friends and I had as teenagers about coloring our hair yes, and mixing exactly. stuff up and being like, oh, you just have a little bit of that left. Yeah, just dab some of that right here. Mm-hmm. You know, like I love this. I also think what's great about this kind of trend is it separates you from that feeling of like you have to keep going to the salon the, for upkeep. The perfection of it. Yeah, it's an imperfect, yeah. It can be imperfect. It can be affordable. Yeah, I love it. I think this, mm-hmm. I believe, I believe in this one. <laughs> I, yeah, I think this one's really fun. And I mean, as a person that's had two-toned hair for a while, as my blonde hair has grown out into the, the brown, um, I love two-toned hair. And I love things that look um, a little bit um, authentic and, and, and off, a little off. Yeah, yeah. Little, I think this confused. is great. It yeah. feels more unique. Um, and like, it's just a really accessible way mm-hmm. to stand out. Yeah. And it, you know, it, it really feels like um, hackers, you know, the hackers <laughs> movie. Yeah, you know, yeah. Just, just, just having fun with it, you know, just being, just having fun with your hair. Yeah, totally. I love it. I love it. This one, this next one is really um, your DIY salon, Amanda. So I'll let you take this one. Oh, yeah. This is another one where I, you know, and I just want to say that when we put together our crystal ball trends, our trend predictions... I had not seen any of this at all, and neither of us had. No, and I, I was like, it. wow, we are nailing it. If only we had said <laughs> orange, but we came close yeah. with citron, just saying. Okay, so this one is all about, they call it micro makeover, and it's really about short nails, short haircuts, short bangs, just short hairstyles all around. Now, I will say, a short hairstyle is maybe not something you want to do on your own. Right. But but short bangs. That's like Amelie. Totally. I had the very short self-cut bangs through the aughts. Um, and you can if you – I mean, I was also one of those people, though, I'm going to preface this, that was like trimming them like every day. It turns into a compulsion, I think. Sounds like it. it sounds uh, like so maybe it. you shouldn't do this. But the nails I thought were interesting because I – have always rocked a short nail. It's Me just too. like my nails don't want to grow anyway. And I have, to, I'm too busy for the upkeep and I have too many things to do with my hands. But I think a lot of people are seeing, and as we talked about in our predictions episode, that the upkeep of going to get a manicure, to get gels, to get you know, acrylics, whatever you're doing, it's getting really, really expensive. And I think that one of the things that pushes people to continue doing it is this fear that you are not going to be looking as good or people aren't going to think you look as good if you aren't doing that upkeep. So what if you could be liberated from that and feel really great with your just clean, short nails? Yeah, it looks really fresh, too. It does. It does. I mean, I've I've always been a little bit embarrassed of my nails. um, So because I just keep them very short. Me too. Um, Mine are all business. They don't want to do anything else. mm -hmm. And I really I like this. This is from Pinterest. They said, after years of coffin nails and almond shaped extensions, people are realizing that nails don't have to be long to make a serious statement. Mm -hmm. I like that. I like that, too. Yeah. Uh, right. So the next one is pool parties. As a cat person, I don't understand this at all. <laughs> <laughs> I I think that they did take some some liberties with some of the data, um, but uh, <laughs> they did. This one I think was a little bit of a stretch. It did. It felt like a stretch because once I get to the data, I was like, "Well, yeah, I anyway. guess if that's what you want to say." But I could see this other thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So they're saying that in twenty twenty three. 
pool parties are going to the dogs. We're talking party invitations, party favors, and party decorations. Gen X and boomers don't plan to hold back for their next pet pool party. So, the, so and okay, this is why I was thinking this is a little bit, um, they're, they're, you know, taking the liberties here. They're saying the DIY dog areas in backyard is up 490%, which to me doesn't really say pool, pool parties, but um, it says DIY dog back because everyone adopted dogs. So people want to have some nice uh, backyard areas. Um, the DIY dog pool is up 85%. The dog mm-hmm. birthday Party ideas, decorations is up 65%. Dog party favors is up 135%, which could technically be, you know, for a dog or someone that loves dogs. (laughs) 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 And then mini pool, mini pool ideas up 830%. That's a stretch. Right. Because how I read this is, oh, you live in the city and you have a tiny yard or you have Mm -hmm. a tiny budget or you don't have a yard at all. But wow, it... Climate change has made the summers really hot. Yes. I think people are saying, I would like a pool for myself. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, myself, my kids. I mean, you know, like these like dipping pools are actually really popular um, in, in smaller areas too, which are right. these little built in, they're, you know, they're built in pools. They're, you know, um, below ground pools, but they're a lot smaller. Yeah. This one, I was like, listen, I love the idea of 2023 being full of all these zany dog parties. With dog cakes and dog pools, and I don't know what the people do while they're there. They are they drunk? I'm not really sure, but uh, I I think this one's a little bit of a stretch. Are they drunk? <laughs> um, you know, maybe they're playing with dogs. You know, it's like a dog party. Maybe, maybe, maybe it's a dog party. I guess I was imagining it's like when you take a kid because I've never had a dog. I was imagining it was like when you take a kid to a kids party, and then all the parents are kind of off to the side. Yes. Uh, but maybe they are interacting with the dogs at the dog party. I clearly don't get invited to dog parties, but you live with a dog now, so you might. And you can fill us well, all in. Yeah, but I mean, he uh, he hates the dog park. He hates <laughs> being around other dogs. So um, he basically, he acts just like me, where he's just like a wallflower when he goes into a room full of dogs. He hates it. So we would never, ever host a dog party. He would be, it would be just the most miserable experience for him. <laughs> Well, there you go. I yeah. I feel like he that he sounds like he would be my dog. A dog, yeah. a dog park. I, I've heard stories. It seems really stressful. I walked a dog, a friend's dog, for a couple of days once, and had to go to the dog park. And I was like, wow, I, I'm not ready for the social commitment of dog ownership. I know. <laughs> I know. I actually walked by the Silver Lake dog park um, right after a torrential rain, and it was disgusting. Oh. It was, and there was tons of people in there, and I was like. It literally looks like a mudslide. But it's full of like <laughs> pee germs. Yeah, pee and poop and like dogs uh, running around. Yeah, no, thank you. And no, like, no offense <laughs> to dogs. I like love dogs. I love all animals. But the dog park always smells like pee when I walk by and I can't get over yes. it. Right. And I live with cats. Cats are gross too. Mm, Ask me how many times I've had to wipe my cats' butt. Nasty. Yeah, they're Nasty. disgusting. It's whatever. Humans are too. I live with a human. It's also gross. Um, Okay. Well, the next trend, speaking of gross humans, (laughs) is called. (laughs) Thank thank you, Amanda, for that that hot take. (laughs) Just nice transition here. You can always call me for the great transition. So this is called chance of showers. And according to Pinterest, here's what Pinterest says. No bath, no problem. 
2023 will be all about the elevated shower routine. Gen X and boomers will turn rinsing into a ritual in the year ahead, searching for shower bombs and home spa bathrooms. And I was just, this is one that was a little bit of a reach to me. I'm, I'm going to be honest yeah. because the majority of people are taking showers already. Like if you live in an yeah. apartment, you're more likely to have a shower than a bath. And a lot of, it was time for that, right? Um, but apparently, shower routine aesthetic was up 460%. Amazing showers walk-in was up 395 I will say, if I owned my own house, I would want some, like, epic shower. But I actually Absolutely. I actually have a walk-in shower right now. I mean, it's on the small side. Nice. But, yeah, I mean, I love a shower. I definitely went through a phase with bathing a long time ago, but I just don't have time for it. It's like you got to clean the tub. You get hot. I get bored. I find a shower way more refreshing. Um, Me too. The other thing I wanted to say about this is just as someone who still is working in the retail industry, I actually was like talking to my team. I was like starting to just sort of early on. It's not, you know, it's not even Christmas yet at the time we're recording this, but kind of like hindsighting what had or had not worked for us so far this year. And I was like, bath bombs, we're never buying them again. Really? I just, they're, they're just, you know, I think if people want a bath bomb, they're probably going to go to Lush. I would mm-hmm. love to hear from someone at Lush about how their bath bomb performance is. Cause I think, I think people are kind of over it and it's expensive for what it is mm-hmm. in a time of inflation when your eggs are suddenly $7 Maybe spending $6 to take a bath isn't a great idea anymore. It just doesn't feel right. right. Um, you would probably invest in like a candle that'll Exactly. Last That's what I was thinking. Like you could get a candle or some lotion mm-hmm. or like, you know, a face mask or something and it would feel more luxurious. So I do like the idea of people making showers a more aesthetic experience because like that's where we are. We all take showers. Uh, but I, I don't think showering is a is per se a trend. It's a way of life. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. So this one's, you know, I think this one is definitely going to come true because people really do like showers. Yeah. And, showers are great. Um, you know, I live in a place that is, for lack of a better description, hot as balls for most of the year. And my shower, my daily shower was like the simplest luxury for me. It just mm-hmm. was, ah, oh, I feel so much better. Anyway. All right, jumping on to the next one. You know, we still got something like tw- 20 of these things to go. So <laughs> we're going to hustle here. We're going to hustle on. So we got sci-fi fits. Um, and it is, oh, that's cool. Okay. 2023 fashion will be light years ahead. Searches for dystopian outfits and futuristic fits will spike as Gen Z and millennials opt for cyber streetwear, galactic glasses, and gamer girl styles, which sounds the exact opposite of this like uh, ballet ruffle thing. Well, you, there's always got to be the counter trend. And to you me, gotta have the counter. Mm-hmm. this feels very 80s. Yeah, it does. It's the, well, 80s and 90s, because this is that um, hackers. Right. This is hackers. But it's all about dystopian future, which we began to become yeah. obsessed with in the 80s. And uh, looking at some of the sunglasses and other things about it, and the color palette, there'll definitely probably be a little bit of magenta mm-hmm. in there. Uh, it felt... And that, that goth black. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm not surprised by this, although I will say that... <laughs> I laughed at this, and this is probably just because, like, the world is dystopian. Uh, re- yeah. Dystopian outfits being a big search term. I'm like, oh, it might be just, like, clothes for existing right now. <laughs> right. Exactly. It's like, okay, what do I wear? Because, like, the, the earth is, is on fire. Yeah, like, exactly. <laughs> the, 
It, it says that the gamer girl look is up by thir- 3,370% gamer girl look. I'm so curious what gamer girl look looks like. I don't know. I immediately, and this is not at all accurate, everyone, just just like laugh at me. I My mind went to like sexy Mario costumes, <laughs> <laughs> which I know is not it. <laughs> Yeah, no, I don't. I don't think that's it. I don't think that's it. Um, anyway, okay, so sci-fi fits, and now we're going to talk about this one. I thought was actually really interesting. Rainscapes. Yes. So this is going to be all about water conservation, and according to Pinterest, this doesn't just apply to drought-stricken environments. Boomers and Gen X all over the globe will invest in rainwater harvesting rain barrels and drought tolerant landscaping for natural ways to make their homes more sustainable. And you know what the first thing I thought when I read this was where are the millennials? Oh right, they can't afford to buy houses, right? right That's exactly. right. That's why we're all renting still. Um exactly. but I do think that this is pretty pretty cool and I do actually see this coming up like a lot in other things that I read or in like my neighborhood group and stuff like that. Uh rainwater harvesting architecture drought tolerant landscape design which i'm a major advocate of absolutely uh, get rid of your lawn if you live in a place that where lawn isn't naturally sustainable rain barrels uh rain drainage rock drainage landscaping all of these things that i personally as a person who sees homeownership like literally never happening for me i'm like in that mind space right now uh these aren't things that I'm thinking about all the time, but I do get really excited when I see people working towards saving water. And we do Absolutely. have, we rent a house. We do have uh, rain barrels and we do have a drought tolerant yard. So I thought that was pretty cool. That is actually very cool. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it reminds me for some reason, even though I know this is not what this is about. Um, it reminds me of mosquitoes because here in California. If you have like a bucket of rainwater sitting around, like the city will send people to your backyard to yell at you. Wow. Because, because it, because we'll, it'll um, hatch a bunch of mosquitoes. Oh yeah. Trust me. We have to put these things in ours. Gotcha. Um, we, I know nothing about this. Let me tell clearly. you the mosquitoes in Texas. Ooh. You know that like cliche, like everything's bigger in Texas. I would actually uh-huh. say it's more like everything's more brutal in Texas. Um, the mosquitoes <laughs> will like, You'll be a walk. Just walk through the yard real quick, and they'll come up and bite you on the hand. And uh, uh, the other thing that we have here are fire ants, and I have been attacked multiple times this year, and it is no joke. Uh, so anyway, everything's more brutal in Texas. Anyway, moving on to the next trend: <laughs> <laughs> uh, historic home. Uh, all right, so this one. Let me click into it. Historic home, as opposed to historic. Home. In 2023, people will find new ways to honor old stuff in their homes. Got a hand-me-down handy? These searches are helping people combine vintage, often inherited pieces with the modern style. So this is uh, this is a, a very a version of people going into their closet mm-hmm. and pulling things back because you know they're trying to um, you know bring in the new by um, you know reinterpreting something that might be old. Yeah. Um, and so let's see. It looks like eclectic interior vintage design is up. Mixing modern and antique furniture is up by 530%. Um, Maximalist decor vintage is up 350%. And antique room aesthetic, which I think could be 
I mean, that could go really wrong um, really quickly, but that's up 325%. Um, it's definitely the end of the millennial minimalism. It is. That's the opposite of millennial minimalism. Like, because Gen Z isn't into millennial minimalism either, you know? Yeah, that's true. I mean, some of the – it's they says it's historical nostalgia, which does feel like, um, you know, antiquing mm-hmm. a little bit to me, which I don't know if that's necessarily going to be a huge trend, but we'll see. This one I do feel like it's a little bit of a stretch on where they, you know – their their overview of it. Yeah, I mean, I think there's just so much more interest in vintage furniture and vintage mm-hmm. shopping and thrifting. Like, we know that in the apparel realm, right? I think this is just extending into home goods. And I think that's great because, like, man, the home goods industrial complex is churning away. I mean, oh, it is. like, Huge. go to a home goods store. That's all I'll say. Like, literally, the store home goods. They're like, why are there so many throw pillows? Why do we have so many? Um, so I do love that this shows a, a march towards, you know, using that stuff and leaning into it. I also think, you know, millennials, whether they want to admit it or not, uh, in addition to being the fast fashion generation, are also kind of the IKEA furniture generation. Uh, and it yes. doesn't have to even specifically be like IKEA, but that idea of like inexpensive, vaguely designy furniture that you put together yourself and unfortunately most of that stuff doesn't hold up right and we all kind of bought that as like our starter furniture and I think that younger generations are kind of like uh I'd rather just something cool that's gonna last and is is also cheap rather than this like new cheap thing and I'll take an old cheap thing you know and what is also interesting is that this trend apparently is most relevant in boomers and gen x i thought that was interesting. rejecting yeah the mass produced but i think they're also inheriting stuff mm-hmm. so i think that's a big part of it one of my friends has a business where she cleans out elderly people's homes before they move into like assisted living or oh, in with family wow. members and i mean it's like we're talking entire households full of furniture and home goods often vintage and antique and like really really cool and uh she was telling me how you know in the beginning it was it was pretty challenging to rehome this stuff oh yeah i bet yeah yeah historic home i don't know if i like that name they should have called us we could have come up with something better. yeah right mm-hmm. okay well the next one <laughs> this is another <laughs> one where i'm like i don't know primal movement in 2023 people will trade their screens for stretches and their desks for triceps dips this is a trend that's being driven by gen x and millennials with who are searching for things like primal movement and neck hump exercises sorry what's primal movement we're like moving around with remote working here to stay people are looking for simpler ways to combat tech neck so yes. this is about stretching and doing yoga and trying mm-hmm. to do a lot of these things from home. I mean, this to me, I was like, Pinterest, were you asleep all these years? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, also, it's interesting to see like a lot of them, like they, they, they say that there's trends in hip mobility exercise and knee mobility exercise and neck hump exercises and mobility stretches, which really just feels like people are just getting older. Yeah. You know, like I mean, like, I will say people that use like Pinterest are starting to age, which I feel. Our like techie 
lifestyle is affecting like our bodies. Mm-hmm. Like I feel I've I've got the neck. I've got like iPhone oh, yeah. neck, you know. Um, so I I don't know if this is really a trend or just like what it is to be part of life right Society. now. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> but nice, nice try on the name. <laughs> so the next one is the YOLO years, uh, and this one. Sorry, kids. Nana's got plans. In 2023, boomers and Gen X will plan epic bashes for major milestones from 100th birthday parties to 50th anniversaries. And old bashes are way better than bingo. Uh, Look no further than jubilee cakes and thoughtfully decorated cookies. That doesn't sound like a huge bash to me. Honestly, (laughs) and looking at, this is another one where I was like, I okay, before I read their write-up, I thought it was going to be about how people in their 50s and older were finally going to be like, whatever, I wear what I want, I do what I want, I live life. That's what I think the YOLO years means, not here are the search uh, terms. 100th birthday party ideas, which were only up 50%. Golden anniversary party, 50th anniversary cookies, 80th birthday party decorations. Like, what? No. Uh, I would like to personally sit down with Pinterest and be like, no. Because also, like, we're, you know, we looked at, like, the Pinterest site to see, like, the image. I mean, the images for all of these are really great. But the the image is a woman with, like, bright orange eyeshadow. she looks awesome. She looks awesome. And I thought this was going to be, like, style is, like, independent of age and do what you want and, you know, Go out there and live your best life. And instead it was like, how do I decorate cookies for this golden anniversary? Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's terrible. It's just terrible. Anyway. Know, that doesn't sound like a bash. And they're they're basically trying to say, and I get this. They're saying that now, you know, the pandemic was hard and these restrictions have eased. And boomers and Gen X are determined to make the most of the present moment by having more and more celebrations. And apparently for older people. So yeah, I, mm. you know what? It was interesting. So like I, before I clicked into it, I th- really, I really thought it was like, you know, I, Genesis, Genesis is getting older, right? So for Jubilee cake. Yeah, I know. I was like, what? Not for like a hundred year old people. Yeah. But I was thinking like, Gen X is getting older. Gen X has always been a disruptor, yeah. right? And millennials are getting older too. So here we've got two generations that were really disruptive of the status quo, whether it was around when you should get married, owning a home, whether or not you should have kids, how you should dress, the kind of job you should have, whether you should travel or save money, like those kinds of things, people who were really pushing the envelope. I mean, these are the people who really even loosened dress codes in offices, right? Like all of these things. So I thought it was going to be really about like, now that they're getting older, they're redefining all of these stereotypes and like antiquated rules around what's age appropriate. And alas... That is not what Pinterest is predicting, but I'm making a note that you and I should do an episode on that because I think it's fascinating. I think that's fascinating. I, I think you have what you brought up is actually I'm like, ooh, tell me more. But of course, we don't we don't have that much time. So so anyway, but we'll we'll put a pin on it because that's a good yeah. one. Okay, mm-hmm. so the next one is one that I thought was really pretty. It's called Wildflowers, but it's flowers like baking flowers. F L O U R S, um, and this is a trend that is being started by Gen X and Millennials, and it's about trading. Bouquets for bouquets. I'm sorry. I almost read that as bukkakis. And I was like, I know that's not it. Um, That's what it looked like. Yeah. So basically, this is about flower-inspired baking 
using edible flowers. I mean, this is something you and I touched on like last year when we were talking about like all those beautiful like jellies with like the flowers and herbs in them, the like the gelatins and like as art. Yes, and yes, I, I do. Those. I mean, I have been seeing a lot more edible flowers and nature inspired desserts. Um, so I do believe that this is real. I also have been just like in my day job seeing a lot more interest in sort of herbal apothecary aesthetic which according to Pinterest is up more than a thousand percent. And I believe that like anything that is like a vintage herbal uh, horticultural illustration. It sounds like anthropology. It does kind of, but it's like a little bit more old timey. So we, at my job, we've had a few books this year that have been mm-hmm. really incredible that have had that that aesthetic. I Everyone should check out a book called Poison, which mm-hmm. has incredible illustrations and just really nails this aesthetic. And there's another one called Floriography. And I spoke to the publishers of both of these books and they have been major bestsellers. So it doesn't surprise me that people are really leaning to this. It's almost like a Victorian era. Oh, fascinating. Uh, yeah, like yes. apothecary, okay. herbalism, flowers, gardening kind of stuff. Um, so I, I think that this is like a legit trend and I actually am forecasting it to be pretty big through this year. It's kind of like a cottage core kind of thing. It is, but it's like more Victorian. It's more Victorian and more yeah, like more about the actual plant life. Totally, totally. Okay, well that's awesome. Uh, all right, so this I'll do this one. This one's called the fourth trimester. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. Yeah. Um, anyway, they're basically saying that searches from millennials, in particular, suggest that this year people are seeking ways to support parents. During that famous fourth trimester, which actually is really thoughtful. So searching Mm -hmm. from everything from postpartum meals to gifts and essentials. Um, And I think that that's, um, I think something that maybe hasn't been necessarily um, considered as much as I think it should be. So I think this is really cool to see that this type of um, trend is happening. They're showing postpartum must-haves, postpartum blanket is up 135%. I don't know what that, oh, I'm sorry. It's a basket. I was like, I don't know what a postpartum blanket supposed to be. I don't know. I was like, it sounds great. You just get swaddled yourself and people take care of you. I think it sounds amazing. That sounds like a great idea, actually. But a postpartum basket, uh, postpartum essentials, postpartum meals, postpartum gifts. I think that that's really cool that that's like a trending thing. Um, I don't really, you know, know a lot of people with children. So, um, (laughs) you know. I'm just reading this one off. The only thing I'll say there uh, is that there are a lot of things that no one tells you about being pregnant or having a baby or how you're going to feel afterwards or what you're going to deal with afterwards that no one tells you until you're like six months into pregnancy. And they're like, oh, by the way, did you hear about how you might get stitches in your privates? And you're like, thanks. Yeah. They should tell you that in like health class. Like it's just a lot of, a lot of stuff. So I'm glad that people are having Mm -hmm. more conversations about this and, you know, thinking about it's, it's tough. Having a baby is hard. I don't know why people do it. I had one myself. I don't, know how I did it. Um, the next trend is called date different. And I'm just going to tell you, like, I guess this is a trend if you're really boring. Um, and I agree. I was reading this and I was like, snooze alert. Uh, I will just say that I worked with someone at a job who actually she wasn't even a nice person. So I don't even feel bad. Literally like the most boring person I've ever met. Also like not a nice person. And I remember during the pandemic, she was like, I'm just like she would be posting on Instagram like I'm just dying to have a date night like we haven't had a date night in so long and I thought 
if the only thing you can think of as a date night is going to a restaurant and then you can never have a date or romance without that, then like you have other problems. So this trend <laughs> is about looking for things outside of like dinner and a movie to do for a date, uh, bookstore dates, picnics, aquarium dates, museum dates. And I can see this being something that maybe came out of being kind of, you know, shut down for a couple years here. But like, honestly, if I, if Pinterest needs to tell you how to have a date <laughs> that is fun. Uh, you know, I'm just going to say that my first date with Dustin, we went to Malibu and Kim came along. I was there. Um, someone drowned in front of us Ugh. and Kim's boob fell out of her swimming suit. And I didn't, none of that was planned via Pinterest. No, you, you, oh, you didn't, you didn't plan any of that via Pinterest. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I'm glad that people are thinking outside the box there, but like, come along, everyone. <laughs> Do you not need to start a school for how to go on dates? <laughs> Oof. Oh, so funny. All right. <laughs> Sorry. I'm like, I'm like crying. Um, all right. <laughs> all right. I like this one. Um, this is rom-com core. Um, it does feel like this has actually been going on for a while. Me so too, this yeah. is not, I don't really feel like this is a, an emerging trend. This is an existing trend, but, but, you know, more power to it to have a better, even more legs into 2023. So they basically say that 2023, Gen Z and millennials will romanticize their closets with slip dresses, tube tops, cargo pants, which really are hugely trending, and claw clips. Get ready for a new kind of meat cute inspired by your favorite romantic comedies from the 2000s. Um, and it, yeah, it, it looks, it looks like a, yeah, rom-com from the 2000s and even 90s. And, um, they're using the data where 2000s girl. I mean, is up. <laughs> here's what I think. You and I have been talking about Y2K for like yes. a year. And I think the thing is, like, that was like on the cutting edge last year and it's going to become more mainstream this year. Yeah, it's, exactly. If we use the skinny jeans paradox, last year, Y2K was just for like, you know, a few select, like a select group of like tastemakers, people who are ahead of the curve. And now we're going to get into people who are more trend and style focused, but still it's not going to be fully mainstream. You know, we're not going to see these clothes at like Target yet, but probably soon. You know, I think we probably will. I mean, you're right. They, Target's now just taking okay. cues from you're right. says God, Target so. is way ahead. So let's reframe that. Let's revise that. Mm-hmm. We might not see it at Macy's yet unless right. it's by accident. Thank you. Yeah. Macy's. There you go. There wow. You go. Um, that means a lot. Macy's versus Target. <laughs> sick burn, I know. Yes. <laughs> um, okay. So the next trend, and this is one where I'm like, Pinterest. Pinterest. This is so old. This is so old. It's mushrooms. Mushrooms. Fantasy mushroom art, vintage mushroom decor, funky house decor, weird core bedroom, which is probably my house. Yeah. yeah. And mm-hmm. DIY mushroom decor. I actually had been wondering to myself if this fall this fall winter early spring might be the peak of mushroom yeah me too i thought it'd be kind of dying down yeah it seems like pinterest says it's just starting up i don't know i don't know we'll we'll see what they say interestingly enough like none of the imagery for this one was mushrooms (laughs) it was just weird so there's like well there's like mush you know there's the mushroom um there's a few on there there's there's the mushroom lamp but it's like a stretch i don't know it may i mean We'll see. Maybe they're just saying it's really mm-hmm. more about like psychedelic, like mm-hmm. surrealistic uh, decor, which I'm totally on board for. But like mushrooms, just like in a literal sense, are probably peaking right now. 
It says searches from fungi to funky will drive to core to get weirder. Yeah, see, I think that was a stretch combining those two together. <laughs> yeah, I don't think they should have named it mushrooms. Yeah, I think I'm sure that there were a whole bunch of meetings. People debated this. There was back and forth and things yeah. got erased and written again. And, you know, mm-hmm. anyway, I've been in enough meetings like this. But this one, I was kind of like, eh, you know. All right. This next one, oh, this is going to take you back to our, our 2016 Oof. nasty called gal days. Fringe with benefits. Basically saying that fringe is coming back um, on, you know, outfits, dresses, jackets. It says there's this high-heeled boot situation they're showing, uh, bags, which is really, you know, a, uh, you know at the epicenter of boho fashion, which I had say, said it might come back, but also has that sort of cowboy, cowboy core and uh, prairie core vibe to it. Oh, as well. I was like, this is, you already predicted this. Yeah. <laughs> this is this for is, sure. Because this is like, the first stage of boho when it's like at its best. Yeah. Has a lot it's of friends. Like very fantasy. Yeah. Yeah. I love this. Um, mm-hmm. Okay. Well, the next one is called Crown Care. And it's really about sort of, I mean, it's a great way for the beauty industry to come up with smart products to sell us. Uh, it's about <laughs> focusing on, on the care of the scalp and the crown of your head. So, like, scalp treatments, scalp massages, gadgets. This was one I was, like, looking at the increases in search terms, and I was like, these aren't significant to me at all. These, to me, go back to people taking care of themselves, doing self-care during the pandemic. Yeah, exactly. So, I don't know about this one. This one, just the word scalp grosses me out a little bit, so I'm just... (laughs) So I'm we'll just move about- on. We'll just move yeah. on. I agree. It's kind of. <laughs> We're just gonna- <laughs> I'm not. Yeah. I don't want to get into scalpification, which is their no. calling. Let's just move on. Okay. Next. That's enough. Yeah. That's enough. We gave you your chance. <laughs> <laughs> the, ne- the next one I-, I like. This one's called Beyond Blue and Pink. I love this. Um, this is great. So, like, gender norms are shifting, and parents' uh, parenting approaches are too. Searches among Gen Z and millennial, millennials show a desire to bake, break down the binary as they raise the next generation. From pronoun flashcards and gender flags to self identity art and unisex names. Sorry, those are tongue twisters. Um, they're proudly practicing gender neutral parenting, which is fascinating because I don't know anything about this and this might be a really good podcast to have um, to talk a little bit more about this. Yeah, I think we should talk more about this because we're, Mm -hmm. you know, I just did a series of episodes on Close Horse about the toy industry and specifically Mm -hmm. the toy industry when we were kids and how, you know, toys were very firmly divided between girls and boys, right? And so there was Mm -hmm. a lot of like we have a bestseller for girls right now. How do we turn it into a boy toy? You know, like, like that was the way they were thinking. And I know that in the past few years, some companies like Target comes to top of mind have tried to de-gender their toy department. It still doesn't really work, I will say, but I appreciate right. the effort. But toy companies and retailers of toys are in a really unique position, especially right now, because while there are plenty of people who, like myself, are like, why why do we have to genderize children's clothing, toys, media, Right. There are just as many people on the other side who are like against like, no, stop grooming our children, exactly. you know, and it's really tough. Um, and I just like want to say, like, it doesn't surprise me that this is being led by um, millennials and Gen Z. But Gen X has got to get on board here. I had a conversation with about this with Dustin earlier this week, how 
you know, last week on Instagram, I professed to the world that I'm non-binary and a lot of people were really, really supportive and, you know, excited and just like, you know, happy for me. And then a lot of people were like, I'm 45. I don't understand pronouns. Like, I don't understand the big deal. I can't wrap my brain around it. And I'd be like, you're not old. I thought you were going to say you're 75. Like, just Google it. Just Just go on Pinterest. Yeah. uh, Go on Pinterest and and do a little research because this is extremely relevant and important to be a part of. It really is. And like, Gen X, you're not old. No. And I don't care if you're old. We got it. This is like, this is the world that I want all of us to live in and I want children to live in. And I'm excited Mm -hmm. that it's picking up momentum and there's no excuses. And I, I love the idea that there's all these things I've literally never heard of, which is like personal pronoun flashcards and self identity art. And I think that that's so, it's so cool that there's all Uh, these kind of tools that parenting is now offering. And just thinking about the statistics around mental health and children and teenagers when it comes to gender and sexuality, like being that supportive parent and opening up what these things mean, I think could have a huge impact on yes. people on on the mental health and happiness of people of all ages. Yeah, exactly. You know, uh, how exciting to live in a world where you can really be who you are. The next trend is called now processing. In recent years, the conversation around mental well-being has entered the cultural zeitgeist. No shit. Duh. I know. <laughs> uh, due to this shift, people will feel empowered to look beyond traditional talk therapy and find the best creative outlets to support themselves, from music to journal writing to expressive art activities. And to me, yeah, guess what, everyone? It's because no one can afford therapy. <laughs> it, it is so expensive. Right. So no wonder... Writing therapy is up 1,840%. I actually listened to a story on NPR this week about how, and I think it's the American Medical Association is now uh, advising that all doctors screen anyone under 64 for anxiety because they think anxiety disorders are a really serious issue right now. Oh, I love to hear that. I do you? I think I feel like I've had anxiety for my entire life. Oh my god, and me have too. Only recognize the fact that I actually am this extremely anxious person in the past year, and then it's like it, it crushes me, and I'm just realizing that it's caused me to have toxic behavior after toxic behavior. Oh my god, me too. I think it it eats up all of the serotonin in my brain, and then it sends me into other like m- bad mood situations, you know, mm-hmm. and. Honestly, I do think that people have become a lot more open and talking about it. I definitely have a lot of conversations about this with my team at work, especially when we're all traveling together. Because, you know, as the leader, it's really important for me to make sure everyone's doing okay. And, you know, like, are you nervous on the plane? Are you anxious about, you know, checking into the hotel? And a really good role model. Yes. We always talk about role models here. And, like, that's – I continue to think that that's, like, one of the most important things for someone – who's, you know, slightly older and more experienced Yeah, to be able to share. I totally, I mean, we have conversations about that all the time with my team. And I think that's really important to normalize it, that anxiety, especially now more than ever, is a part of life. But I think it always has been. It's just previous generations ignored it, you know? Yes, they did. It was like, there wasn't like, there there wasn't a Pinterest board about how to recognize your anxiety, you know? like Thank goodness there is now. (laughs) 
Now there is. Just go to Pinterest, apparently. <laughs> um, all right. So jumping into the next one. We're, we only have how many left? One, two, seven? seven we're, left. Com- oh. we're coming down the home stretch, everyone. Yeah, almost there. And this one's called Free Spirits. Um, enough with the drinking judgment. Sometimes people want to drink. Sometimes they don't. Sometimes they only want to drink a little. This is literally what we were just I know, <laughs> talking I know. about in the last again, episode. Nailing it. And Gen X, hey, hey, will be driving this trend, demanding mocktails, cocktails, and low alcohol options for all. This is exactly what we were talking about, which I love. Yeah. Um, basically. Basically, you know, the trending words are fancy, non-alcoholic drinks, mocktail bar, cocktail garnish ideas creative, uh, fancy ice cubes, and creative cocktail presentations. Um, So it does feel like there's definitely – and this also talks or speaks to the at-home cocktails as Mm -hmm. well, where we'll be kind of um, leaning back into some of these trends that happened during the pandemic where we, you know, maybe – purchased a bar so that we could have cocktails at home and, you know, uh, make that Aperol spritz ourselves. Um, I say, I definitely think this is definitely going to be a trend um, that'll continue as well as the low alcohol options. I want to call out a, a book that I recommend. It's called Cocktails, Mocktails and Garnishes from the Garden. Oh, Recipes for perfect. beautiful beverages with a botanical twist. So it really ties together a bunch of things we've talked about today and they have some really good non-alcoholic drinks in there that feel fancier than a boozy Mm -hmm. cocktail. Okay, well, the next one is called All Aboard. (laughs) And guess what? I know. It's all about trains and taking trains. (laughs) So um, I I love taking a train. Uh, I think it's funny that people are searching train trip aesthetic and train travel aesthetic, but uh, trains are outside of the United States in a really incredible way to get around. I actually have already bought my Japan Rail Pass for myself and for Dustin for when we're in Japan because it's like the best way to get around, right? Um, I would love for trains to get better here. You know, I'm not going to say much more about this trend, but I will say uh, earlier this year, it was during the summer, my team and I were going to go to a trade show in Dallas. And driving from Austin to Dallas is horrible. Uh, it's not for the the weak of heart or the deeply anxious at heart, which is me. So exactly. no one wanted to drive. And I said, oh, my God. Well, I just found out we can take a train there. And it's only – this is the craziest part of the whole thing. For myself and three members of my team to travel to Dallas round trip on the train, it was $40 total, which oh should have God. said something to me. Okay. So it was like – Oh, oh no. Uh, I want to say it was like roughly eight hours to get there, maybe six, but it's only a three and a half hour drive. And I was like, that's okay. This is like yeah. the leisurely way. And it was pretty scenic in parts, but people on the train were like out of control where I was like, okay, they had to come over the loudspeaker and say, don't forget to flush the toilet. <gasps> okay. And then oh there was a guy. Animals. I know. There was a guy who got in trouble for grabbing women. Um, <laughs> lots of people. There was a woman in front of me who was watching, I guess, YouTube videos without headphones that were like, oh, like God. QAnon, right wing, anti abortion conspiracies, really, really loud. Um, all kinds of just like wild behavior, really drunk people, like really drunk people on it. 
Wow. Yeah. What a fiasco. Yeah. The the funniest part was when they had to come on and be like, now we're having a problem where no one's flushing the toilet. <laughs> and they, but like in a Texas accent. And I was just oh. like, I can't believe that we're having to have a conversation about this. <laughs> so anyway, I mean, wow. I, I love train travel. Um, Can't recommend enough taking the train up and down the West Coast. But I would love to see more of it. I do like a train better than a plane any day of the week. Yeah, I've, I've consistently wanted to take a train from L.A. to San Francisco, and it doesn't exist. Yeah. Wait, from L.A. to San Francisco? I I d- well, you does. have to take it to Oakland. Yeah. But it's fun. You should do it, it though. <laughs> you should do <laughs> it and then just, like, take a cab or something over into the city because it is one of the best experiences I've ever had. Really? Not the cab, okay. but the train ride. Um, You know, about an hour outside of L.A., you're just running along the beach for hours it's stunning um you see dolphins and beautiful i mean it's just it's so beautiful um and if you get up in the observation car they'll usually have tour guides that are work for the not like the national park service who will tell you about the history of the area you go through a a like military base that's like the cape canaveral of the west coast and you'll see like rockets and stuff it's pretty cool but it's a long trip also the food in the dining car is way too salty Oh, okay. Good to know. Thank you. Yeah. All right. So jumping on to the next one, um, Cha-Ching Challenge. Uh, this is all about gamifying <laughs> gamifying finances and saving. Um, you know, of course, you know, Gen X and millennials need to gamify everything to make it a little <laughs> bit less, less boomery, I guess. Um, and so what's trending is basically these different challenges that you can do to help save money. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know that saving money is one of the hardest things to do right now. So, well, uh, yeah, when you're going to have to spend twelve dollars on cereal, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, I, and you know, I don't really know much about these challenges, but I definitely want to learn more. It's thousand savings challenge, which probably means a thousand a thousand dollars. Biweekly saving challenge, budget challenge, and a hundred envelope challenge. I I don't know what that means. One hundred envelopes. Um, it just is 100 envelopes. Oh, yeah, I have no idea. Challenge. I know that there are all these apps and stuff that you can use to gamify saving money now. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah. So this one's, sure, sure, okay. I mean, saving money is very rewarding when you can yeah. do it. It feels good. Not hating yeah. it. Not, I mean, it, it is it is interesting to, to see that it needs to be gamified in order for it to function in the, like, the generation, the younger generation. Yeah. Well, it's hard when you just, like, barely have enough money to pay your rent anyway, you know? right. Exactly. You might as well make something fun of it. Yeah, totally, totally. Okay, well, the next one I have is called Good on Paper, and it's about paper art, specifically quilling and origami. (laughs) Um, And it's because people... I feel like this this is an Amanda special. Amanda loves a craft. I do love a craft. Uh, This one I was like, yeah, okay, people are looking for ways to switch off and unwind. And they found a therapeutic outlet in the analog. And that, this is actually making me think, though, that, like, I should look into some origami craft books for my day job. So yes. anyway, thanks, yes. Pinterest. Yes. Yeah, thanks, Pinterest. <laughs> yeah, actually, I think. Applying. Yeah, applying. Um, so, yeah, I could I could see that. I think uh, paper is accessible um, and you get, like, instant gratification. Uh, does this mean, like, uh, calligraphy is going to come back? <laughs> Oh, I, I hope, hope so. so. That, that'd be great for you, Kim. Well, you, well, they were saying that journaling is coming back. Calligraphy so is just around the corner. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. This seems like it's like a, like a spinoff of puzzling. Yeah. The puzzles are kind of like on the wane. Yeah. That, that trend really dived fast. 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 It, it crashed and burned. Yeah. Yep. Um, we got three left. All the raves, rave culture. Obviously, this is very, very um, 90s. I mean, I'm culture. ready. I love I rave know. culture. <laughs> um, they, Pinterest, is, Pinterest is saying that Gen Z and millennials recover from over two years in lockdown. They'll, they'll take over nightclubs, warehouses, and house parties, which sounds so exhausting to me, but I get it. And you got to have a look. So techno style, rave fashion, and house music outfits. House music outfits. <laughs> that is a, that is an actual <laughs> search term. House music outfits is up 185%. What the f- I'm sorry. As a person who has gone to a lot of raves, has I love house music, have listened to a lot of house music. What is a house music outfit? I That is... Maybe that's what's driving this trend in searches. People are just curious about um, <laughs> It's people who don't want to wear it. They just want to yeah. know. Interesting. Yeah, they just want to know. Uh, Berlin rave fashion, which I think is a lot more descriptive and specific. And I really yeah. like. Um, it's like run, Lola, run. Um, rave party aesthetic, techno style music mixer. M- music mixer. Well, that's not. I mean, that's. That's a, that's okay. a stretch. That's a product. But yeah. does this uh-huh. mean, and I hope this is true, that Rocket Dog is going to come back oh. um, and bring back some of their really iconic late 90s, early, very early aughts, like when it still felt like the 90s, like platform Mary Jane shoes, because I've been wanting a pair of those really badly. So I hope so. I think we got to, yeah. I'm, I'm gotta, ready. I'm ready for it. We got to get Ty on the phone and like say, Ty, listen, it's time for you to deliver some 1999 Rocket Dog shoes. Yeah. He could, go. he could own that. Ty, if you're listening to this, <laughs> I want them. I'll send you pics. Yeah. <laughs> I'll buy three pairs and make them last the rest of my life. We'll we'll talk about them. We'll talk about your brand intentionally blank. Like, <laughs> you know, we usually do. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, okay. So Ty, make those for us, please. Thanks. Because I don't know what's going on with Rocket Dog, but it's they're probably too busy focusing on like those flip-flops with the kitten heels, and I'm not having that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. I so the, the next trend is called Homefront. And basically, this one... <laughs> This one's so granular. I know. It's like, rather than people working on their yards, they're working on their front porches. And I don't know. It's like foyer, entryway, decor ideas, front door portico. I mean, this must be, it doesn't say here, but I'm assuming this is a trend being driven by Gen X and Boomers. It says it at the top. uh, It says, yeah, uh, Boomers and Gen X. There you go. Because I was like, oh, this is for the homeowners out there. Yeah, Um, exactly. Anyway, whatever. Yeah, <laughs> nothing, nothing to report here, guys. Yeah, last nothing. one. This is the last one. Uh, <laughs> okay, and this is all about vitamin seaweed. Uh, it's the hottest superfood. It's going to be from the sea. Um, apparently, you know, millennials and Gen X are all all over the globe um, are looking into seaweed uh, from green algae to nori to seaweed snacks. It's they're all trending. Uh, wow. Chlorophyll water, green algae, seaweed snack recipes, nori recipes. Salmon bowl is a stretch. <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> that that doesn't feel like seaweed to me, but you know, okay. Um, <laughs> but apparently seaweed is the new superfood. Wow. I mean, I guess I kind of saw that coming. That one sure. doesn't surprise me. I think it's already here. I think it's been around with like the green juices and stuff. 
But okay. So I, now that we've gone through these, like which one, if you were going to pick one is your favorite, which is your favorite? Oh my God. What is my favorite? Well, clearly not the scalp one. Let <laughs> um, <laughs> I me mean, look. I think I'm the one I like, <laughs> like the most is probably going to be the rom-com core. Just because yeah. I want to see it. I want to see it too. I mean, it definitely made me think immediately. You know what I'm going to say. It made me think of the first Sex in the City movie. And yes. it really made me think of Jennifer Hudson in it. And her like oh. style, like the color oh. she wore. The bag. Renting the, the bags. Yeah. All of that. All of that made me think of that. And like her mm-hmm. being in New York just to look for love, which I just don't think anyone has ever moved to New York to look for love because if they did, they would leave immediately. It's terrible. Yeah. Never do terrible. That. In fact, I hate that, that Sex in the City has tried to... Uh, yeah. Promote this idea that's not real. <laughs> it's very embarrassing. Yeah. This rom com core also reminds me of that Drew Barrymore romance movie, oh, uh, Never Been Kissed. Yes. Never Been Kissed. So good. So good. I actually oh, yes. was just listening to a podcast series about the life of Drew Barrymore and I was just delighted. Wait, when are we going to get a feather boa back? <sighs> Is that part of house music dressing? No. <laughs> No, that's not. I feel like, <laughs> and it's not fringe, but I think I could see it in rom com core because it was in Never Been Kissed. You know what? And I am seeing feather trim coming back on clothing, but not in a boho way, more in this rom com core color palette. So maybe like a pink jacket, like that fuchsia y aughts pink with like feather trim around the bottom. So maybe there that's a gateway into it. Mm-hmm. There you go. Yeah, I love that one. I would say. I mean, I love Beyond Blue and Pink and really like rethinking gender, but Fringe with Benefits is so up my alley because wow, I love Fringe. You are fringe. a Fringe girl. I wear always. Fringe all the time. Fringe fringe knows no trend, okay? It's just a way of life. <laughs> all right. Well, that's all we have for you today. I hope you enjoyed this with us. Um, we're definitely going to be asking you on social media, like, you know, I don't know why I'm acting like it's on social media, on Instagram. <laughs> Which which of these trends you like the most, which you were like, whatever about, and anything you think that Pinterest has missed. Uh, that's all for now. Cool. All Thanks. right. Bye, everyone. Bye.